0: What's up? This bruh man from the fifth floor. And look at here. When I'm chilling, you know, eating my sandwiches with my honeys up on the fifth floor, I always tune in to reviews and done. They all let, they be letting the brother know where all the Serb sandwiches is. Peace. What up, world?
1: Once again, it's another episode of Reviews and Done with your host Derek Dunn, taking it back with another flashback, aka Throwback album review. Now, the album I'm getting to today is an album that, you know, very rarely gets uh, just do, released in the summer of 1992 when I was in fifth grade living in Huntsville, Alabama. And the gentleman today who's gonna to be joining me to chop it up actually, you know, has the his own little connection to this album. This uh, gentleman has written a song for Zyne. He is team Daniel Miyagi Do when it comes to Cobra Kai. He can you know down some church's chicken because they got better biscuits than pot pies. And if they ever create a new jack swing game for the sony playstation he's gonna be first in line to buy it that's right folks i'm talking about my guy my homie my online friend the man the myth the legend mr terrence bolden welcome to the line yes
0: (laughs) yes what's going on
1: uh all's love man thank you for taking time to uh chop it up and just you know look back at uh bobby brown's Third album from 1992 simply titled Bobby yes yes with it so uh tell the folks out there man what's your connection from a professional standpoint to this album
0: well living in Virginia was a uh it that was that was a time where uh, a lot of things were going on with me I was young you know, uh, 21 years old at that time. Uh, I, I, I used to frequent that studio, uh, Future Records, a lot. And um, I had heard, uh, you know, uh, while I was chilling with my friends, I had heard on the radio that uh, one of the girls had called the, the radio DJ, right? And I hadn't been up to, the, I hadn't been at the studio now, probably like three weeks, maybe going on a month. And I heard on the radio a girl was like, she was screaming, telling the DJ, I seen Bobby Brown and I seen um <laughs> Whitney Houston at, at the mall. And I was like, oh, I said, they're here. And so I, I went to the studio, not even expecting to see them. But um, you know, um, I rolled up and I seen their um their rental outside, you know, which a Porsche, you know, and uh and went inside the studio, and Whitney Houston was there, you know, in the studio and it was it was crazy <laughs> seeing her for the first time because you know she she was more or less like my one of my idols, you know, but seeing her i didn't I didn't feel I didn't get you know how you get a shock by you or somebody that you've been wanting to meet for so long. yeah, I didn't kind of like feel that like like, oh my God, that's Whitney Houston. It didn't actually hit me until when I was sitting with my friends later, and they were like, man, are you crazy? You hugged Whitney and she kissed you on the cheek? I said, yeah. But I didn't actually meet Bobby that day. I didn't actually meet Bobby until like a couple of days later when I went up there. Um, But I could hear the bass coming out the studio, him and Teddy was locked in the first day that I went there. Cool. And that was also the day that I met I met uh, Black uh, Chauncey and uh, Levi from uh, Black Street. They were uh, doing vocals for that album. They did all the uh, background vocals, as a matter of fact.
1: Cool, cool. So, man, yeah, I bet you probably heard some uh, stuff that didn't make the album then, because what Bobby you know wrote what? over over, over a year, right? He started in ninety one, and then it, he dropped it in ninety. Ninety two. Ninety
0: two, yeah. Yes. As soon as he finished up the album, that's when they uh, him and Whitney got married, uh July the seventeenth. I think,
2: 17th? I think yeah. July
0: seventeenth. Right and around it, that time. I, I know that cause that was a <laughs> something major happened to me that week. <laughs> I didn't I didn't I wasn't invited to the wedding. I'm not no close friends to Bobby, but I just remember that date because it was a crazy year, you know.
1: Yeah, and then the album but, dropped on uh August 25th, and you know, I think a lot of diehard fans, um, you know, we all still want that Mystical Magical album that Bobby was supposed to drop back in uh 90, but I mean, he took a 40 year break, you know, outside of the remix album and you know, the two songs from the Ghostbuster soundtrack between his second album, Don't Be Cruel, and this one, which you know, at the time, folks, back in the um. And myself and Terrence's younger days, you know, you could take a, a, a break between albums like you could take off two, three years, hell, even sometimes even six or seven years and come back and still, you know, kill the game because, you know, it was a five year gap between Thriller and Bad. Um, I think the only artist out there back in the day who was kind of shelling out music at a rapid pace was probably Prince. Because on average, um, artists, especially singers, would make you wait at least at a minimum two years between releases. You know, it wasn't like now, to where every week, you know, or every other month, you get a new album from somebody else. It was all—it was more about quality as opposed to quantity. Yes. Well, all right, folks, we're gonna go ahead and uh, take you guys on trip on down memory lane, looking at Bobby's slept on. Third studio album, simply titled Bobby. Up first is the LA read and babyface contribution humping around. Come on. was humping around. It takes me back to those uh, Catholic school dances when I was uh, probably <laughs> dancing the way I shouldn't have been uh, dancing. A perfect first single at the time in 92. Good way for Bobby to come back out. Um, this song was a cultural phenomenon when it was released. I remember um, the episode of Fresh Prince when Carlton got his girlfriend Wendy played by Lark He's supposedly pregnant and Will it- Carlton's been humping around and then <laughs> A few months later, um, Jamie, no, uh, yeah, Jim Carrey uh, parodied Bill Clinton during his run on A Living Color with Bill's stuff. and You had Jamie Foxx portraying Styles with the uh, rap. So perfect uh, song. The album, perfect. Welcome back. Single to Bobby. One of my favorite Bobby songs. It's actually a single not a album track. Over to you, Terrence. What you think?
0: Uh, I really like the song. Yeah. Um... It's interesting uh, when I look back and and he I, I see how it's interesting how he chose to lead out with that song, you know um, but I knew that he was he was a frequent um, uh, um, artist in the studio with Babyface Babyface um, and Teddy Raleigh, of course is two of his favorite um, producers. and overall the production value and everything. And I, I believe this was like at the height of LA and Babyface, uh new jack swingness, if you want to say, you know, but um I, I really love the drums. That's what stand out um uh, with me with this, you know.
1: Cool, cool. All right, folks, we're gonna keep it moving. Up next is a uh Teddy Rowley contribution. Who can play that game?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> oh, song
1: going too long all right that was uh, to play that game all right I, i'm gonna be honest this is a song that i really didn't appreciate until i got older i think with the production um it seemed like teddy was um trying to get away from the standard e jack swing town and going into something a bit more futuristic i mean you know now that i'm older i really appreciate the song and just the whole snares the production the vibe i can see why this song was such a big hit across the pond in the UK because it has like a nightclub vibe where you just want to wave your arms and kind of you know groove almost like it can be um, mixed right if you're a very skilled DJ shout out to my man DJ Soulchild. we could probably do it into like a house uh, type song so you know n- not my favorite but still a quality song Terrence what you think
0: yes uh, I agree I agree Teddy. Um, at that time he had uh, a lot going on but um, I really love this song, and um, I can hear my friend in the background. He was—I uh, uh, got to know him uh, pretty good. Rest in peace to uh, Joseph Stone Street, a uh, black street. And um, they did—they, they, they, I was hearing them in the background, you know. <laughs> and like I said, I seen them at the studio for the first time, and they were—they were getting their vocal. There, uh, that was like their first time they were being recorded was on the Bobby album a lot of people don't know that
1: cool cool all right we're gonna keep it moving up next is one of my favorites and that's get away I don't get to hear, uh, Bobby spit a hot 16 (laughs) dope song. Um, perfect answer to everything that was going on at the time with, uh, Bobby, you know, I always saw get away as his version of Mike Jack's uh, leave me alone. Just like, man, get out of my business, man, get away. Like, let me live my life. And, you know, I mean, we all know Bobby, he's human. He bleeds red just like we do. But, you know, having met the gentleman, uh, you know, he's probably one of the most humblest, most down-to-earth cats that I've ever met that's in the industry. So, yeah, I mean, dope song, one of my favorites from the album. Terrence, what you think?
0: Man, um, that's just one of my favorite uh, New Jack Swing um, songs, period. Um, I, I love uh, the lyrics. It kind of, if if Bobby had to rename this song, I would say my prerogative part two, <laughs> And also, um, um You know, at that time, Teddy used a lot of the same drum patterns, which which worked for him, you know, and the song before that, Two Can Play That game, I was listening to the drums to that and the drums to this song. Very, very similar. Just like if you go back on Bobby's second album, um, uh, Don't Be Cruel, um, the song uh, My Prerogative, and then on Keith Sweat's album, the song I Want Her, listen to the drums. Is undeniably as Teddy, the drums are exactly the same.
1: Now, do you know, um, did Bob write his uh, hot sixteen or somebody else write that on Getaway?
0: Uh, on Getaway, I believe that that was Bobby and Akil may have wrote some of that too because Akil was in the studio at that time doing so right, plus he's on the album too. So, yeah, and Akil, but folks, is Akil I do know
1: that Davidson, uh, from Rex and
0: a NFL. lot of people don't know this. Yeah, from Rex and Effect. Uh, a um, a lot of people don't know this. Bobby was um, actually, I hope I'm not. I hope I don't get in trouble for this. Was going to drop a rap album. I wasn't really feeling that when I first heard it. Like a rap album, Bobby. <laughs> but you know, he's he 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 was always busting it on on the corner with with fellas. You know, yeah. And, um, you yeah, know.
1: That, it's all love, man. Like I said you. It you makes sense. You'd be surprised with some of these folks reveal on my uh, on my podcast. <laughs> and I mean, you know, just just to you know, piggyback on what you're saying, yeah. I mean, they could all spit. It's probably said for Johnny, but uh, no shade, Johnny. You're a singer, not a rapper. But yeah, I mean, I think everybody in I think everybody in in excuse me, everybody in in, in any can spit. Uh, and Ralph, Especially and Bobby, Devo. yeah, Ralph, Bobby, uh, DeVoe, Mike. Yeah, they can all you know do a hot 16 you know because they were from the streets you know they wore hip-hop all day you know then you throw on the suit but you know this same new edition conversation even though bobby is a member we're talking about bobby's uh album because you guys know i'm a diehard and in- you guys know i'm a diehard any fan so we'll be here to love heart tonight talking about a new edition of my love for the group all right up next is till the end of time yeah. Teddy Riley and Demetrius Ship for that one, man. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, beautiful song. Um, I don't know if this would have worked as a single, but I could definitely hear this on a um, 90s soundtrack, um, especially during a montage like um, Mo Money or Boomerang or just, you know, one of our, you know, classic black comedies back from the 90s. I could definitely hear this song during a montage where, you know, your um, protagonist is pursuing his love interest and they're just on a date and you see them smiling and just showing black love back in the nineties. So yeah, definitely a great song. So yeah, that's all I can say about that. When I read Terrence, what you think?
0: Uh, yeah, it's. I, I think it's a great song. I also think it's like, uh, I, I think I agree with you. It, I don't think that it would really, really work as a, as a, a single maybe a b-side because that was like really popular back then uh yeah that song um I, i i like that song i remember i used to skip that song i don't know why um like sometimes i used to skip it and but once i got to listening to the lyrics and stuff i said yeah that would be if i had to do the album arrangement that song would probably be like towards the end or maybe it'd be like the outro song or something you know
1: Up next is another uh, face collaboration, and that's another one of my favorites. Good enough. The production that uh that, that face in la did on this love bobby's uh vocal on this you know i mean bob will tell you that he's not the strongest singer i mean i think he's on record as saying he's probably the fourth best singer in new edition but on this joint right here yeah bobby sang his ass off on uh good enough i mean he, he, he doesn't try to you know become a luther or some balladeer just you know uh you're cooking at the barbecue man you got some candles up with your lady just Grown man without going um, far left with the gratuity or with the vulgarian. Truth be told, I mean, Bobby killed this song, but just give him hope Bobby's whole persona with being a bad boy. This is actually pretty laid back. And, you know, I could see like Ralph or somebody singing the song because, you know, it's very melodic and it's very, just, you know, very chill. Definitely not something you would expect from the bad boy of uh, R&B at the time. Terrence, over to you, what you think?
0: I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think that has something to do with uh, the L.A. and Babyface production on this. Um, you know, uh, Face and L.A., they, they really, they bring it when it comes to that, that the, the grown man, grown woman sound, you know? Um and I think that it shows uh, with this uh, with this Bobby track, you know, and and I think that they they pulled it off, you know, with with Bobby. I like the song.
1: Cool, cool. Up next is another LA and Face collaboration. If you guys can tell, Bobby really had a good chemistry with uh, Teddy Riley and Babyface in LA. But up next is "Pretty Little Girl." Come down now. Bobby, I'm getting your little uh, thing on. This train right here is one that I discovered um, later in life. Well, not later in life. I was probably, I was a teen when I really got into Pretty Little Girl, but I actually really started hearing um, music, and you know, I'm sure my music fans out there, you guys know that uh, Bobby's bandmate, Mr. Ricky Bell, shout out to Slick, was on the background vocals. Yeah, I mean, LA and Babyface, man, they really just brought out the best in Bobby when it came to ballads and just Quality RB tracks. And even though this is an RB song, I really could have seen this being pushed to uh reggae radio stations. And I really don't know why this wasn't pushed as a push to single because if this was handled right, this really could have did a lot of uh damage in Jamaica or on cruise ships. Like it just had that whole sexy vibe, and the videos on a beach, and you got Bobby, you know up on the stage singing as any man you got Whitney out there you know loving her man looking at him with Glee yeah just dope song over to you uh Terrence what you think
0: yeah I agree with you I think it would have definitely worked as a as a single but um looking back at the music scene back then especially with MCA MCA was uh notorious for uh you know trying to control their artists and um you know, when they go into those rooms and then they decide on the budget back then and then they pick, like, the songs that really that they want. They get the artist input. It depends on how big the artist is. The artist to say, well, push this song, that song, and this song. You know, normally yeah. back then, um, record companies would uh, do, like, an average of, like, three songs for release and then, you know, then just let it fly after that. But this song right here, uh, I, I was surprised. I'll say this I was surprised when I heard the drums. You know, um, I thought the drums were hard. I was like, Whoa, face! And <laughs> that's one of the hardest uh drum arrangements I heard, at LA and Babyface. All seriously, for a song like this.
1: And I'm glad you brought up um, just how the industry was back in the day, just you know, going quick little tangent, because a lot of artists out now, they wouldn't have made it 20 and 30 years ago, and you know, like I often say, folks, you know, when I interview an artist, or when I um, do a throwback album review, it's music on Bobby's second, no, I'm sorry, well, second album too, (laughs) but it's album tracks on Bobby's third album, I'm going to listen to now, that kill people's catalogs that preceded Mr. Brown, and Pretty Little Girl is one of those songs I mean you you know you had to have talent you had to bring your uh A game and even some of the lesser tracks on albums back in our day back in the 90s kill folks catalogs nowadays that's another uh conversation you know don't, don't want to get too deep yes. but but you folks know who you are you know who I'm talking about all right we're going to keep it moving <laughs> up next is uh loving you down <laughs> Loving you down from the genius known as Teddy Riley on the production. oh yeah, man! I forgot how forgot how dope this album was. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's like the perfect segue for me. I mean, just the way that Bobby Secomanson, you know, good enough, pretty little girl, loving you down. Just the way that it flows. You know, he hits you with the hard stuff for the first, you know, couple tracks. And you know, all right, so. I guy from the club, whatever, you know, we're doing the thing in the club and then he's like, all right, so the next three, I'm gonna hit you with, you know, it's when you can start chilling with your lady, you know, take her back to the apartment, throw this Bobby album on and, you know, let the cards fall where they may, if she's cool with that, you know, ain't trying to be a <laughs> dude, but uh, yeah, dope song. um, You know, I gotta, you know, ask my man Terrence, Blackstreet on the background vocals on this track. Yes, all definitely, right, yeah. yeah, Yes. I figured. All right, so what you think about that one, man?
0: Uh, actually, I I, I love this song. It, it had a serious,
1: it has a serious groove to it,
0: and um, I agree with everything that you said. This is something you would definitely uh, you put on. When you when you got you know you got the girl, and you trying to impress her, especially back in those days, you know.
1: Definitely. Yeah, and it's almost like um, I mean. I'm, I'm sure, you know, they they ran into each other numerous times. But it's, it's almost like um, Bobby communicated, like, directly with Teddy and Face in L.A. to let them know. It's like, all right, so L.A. and Face gave me two, like, mid-tempo joints. So can you give me something with your vibe that kind of, you know, follows that same essence that they were going for? Because, like I said, man, that six through eight, good enough, pretty little girl loving you down. Even if you do throw until the end of time, just the way the songs all, you know, flow. And Bobby was 23 when he dropped. Yeah, 23 when he dropped this one. But the music is just still like he's becoming a grown man and kind of swaying away from that bad boy uh, persona, if you will. Right. All right. Up next is another Teddy Riley production that also features some work by my man who I interviewed Earlier this year, my man, Herb Middleton, that's one more night. man her middleton and teddy uh one more night is it's one of the few songs that i think comes off as a bit of filler to me um not not a bad song but just after like you know you're hit with so much quality music for like the bulk of the first half of that album you know you got to get a bit of a uh you know so so song in there and, and that's one more night i mean you know definitely you know an all right song but not as strong as the uh previous ones and in, in my opinion like yo, shout out to Herb you know no offense shout out to Teddy but just wasn't there and you know the remix on Bobby's remix album remix in the Keys of B just totally avoid that one but you know over, over to you Terrence what you think?
0: Yeah I kind of uh, agree with you on that one um, I think this song was a filler uh, also but um, I definitely uh, enjoyed it though <laughs> I, I definitely
1: liked it yeah. Well, and again, I, it's just, it's one of those things where um the album is so strong and you just you get hit with something kind of you know off and maybe where maybe it's where it was um it's where it's placed that just it just doesn't work for me. And again, it's like I, you know no you know no no shade you know nothing like that. I'm just like uh you know it. It's, it's kind of like with um. I'm trying to think of an album, kind of like with Thriller, right? Right. People, pe- pe- people always tell me it's like, you know, why do I prefer Purple Rain to Thriller? You know, we have these debates and all that. Well, because Purple Rain, you know, I play it from start to finish, but on Thriller, I skip The Girl Is Mine a whole hell of a lot just because. Of <laughs> <laughs> I've done that too. Just because of where the, uh, just because where the song is at, and I think maybe if One More Night had been up a bit more maybe you know after till the end of time right before get enough it might flow better Work. but you know i ain't in the industry that's just my opinion so we're gonna keep it moving up next is bobby's duet with his then new wife we didn't use him that's something in common So, you know I had to have them play man I had to give nippy <laughs> her flowers and you know I had to hear Nippy yes. nippy singing man I'm mean, great song uh I think this is one of those things to where if the tabloids weren't so concerned with their personal lives and you know we're not getting into all that but it's this is one of those songs you either like or you don't um I've always right. liked the song um I think it's just something in common you know and you know, this isn't a time to uh, talk about, you know, jokes about their personal life and everything. You know, they, Whitney and Bobby just had something in common. They connected for whatever, for whatever reason, you know. And and it worked for a while. Yeah, it worked for a while. And whatever whatever the media wants to say and all that, I mean, for me, something in common for those two could have been something simple as putting vegan sausage on a pizza that Bobby was cooking. <laughs> or you know they, they 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 both preferred Isaiah Washington to Michael Jordan. You know it could have been something so simple, but yeah, I mean just a lovely you know infectious pop ballad. So over to you, uh, Terrence. What you think?
0: Um, uh, I'm I'm going to uh try to be very brief. Um, uh, um, love I love this song. You, you know I, I I love Nippy. You know, always have. And her voice was just was just out of here, and that's that's why her nickname is the voice. You know, Whitney. There'll never be another Whitney. I, I don't think so. Not in my lifetime. I don't think so. But I do want to say this though on the production end. Um, I felt like Teddy was um, Teddy had a lot on his plate at that time. He had so many people calling him and. He had, I think at that time, if I remember correctly, he was working on three albums at one time. And I think that he was like, you know, he had other people helping with production. And this song here is just really, it's just an updated version. But I like this version better. He had an artist that was uh, signed to uh, GR Productions uh, before he split with Gene named Zan. And uh, Zan dropped the album that didn't, that flop. (laughs) <laughs> but um, it, yeah, it, it you really have, it, listening to the album? You're like, I do have that album. I'm, I'm gonna share that album with you. But there was a song on on Zan's album called "Um, Uh, Wanna Be With You," and it's actually the same um uh, musical arrangement as "We Got Something in Common." So, I guess Teddy and I like Zan's version, but. T- the the version with uh, Bobby and Whitney, we got something that coming is more filled out though. You know, yeah, definitely better. It's better. Yeah,
1: this was a single. This was the um fifth single. This one dropped in, I believe, the winter of yeah, winter of ninety three, three yeah, winter ninety three, and yes. it's crazy yes. because you know the album had already been out for damn near a year and they dropped the Whitney single, um, later on. It's like, it's one of those things where, I don't know, maybe, if it, maybe if this has been the first single. Right. <laughs> right. Before, I
0: agree with you, especially, um, not to cut you off. I agree with you, especially when you look at, they got married in July. Yeah. Drop. We got something in common right after the marriage. It would have been out of here.
1: Or even before the, um, Marriage, like possibly possibly have this one as the um as the promo single and then you know clive would have probably push this unless it's let let this catch on like right away like springtime yeah like springtime say march of 92 to april 92 was the promo single and then it just you drop pumping around i don't know yes how, yeah yeah so yeah, good song. Uh, MCA dropped the ball on that but we'll get you know we'll get into that you know towards the end of the podcast up next is that's the way love is the song that preceded something in common as a single. That's, that's the way you love is, with a feature from my man, Aquil Davidson, who comes in later on. A uh, good track. Uh, this was a '93 single in the springtime. I think this was um, should have been maybe released a bit earlier. Um, maybe right after "Humping Around" instead of "Good Enough." But I mean, dope song. Uh, no complaints from me. So, Terrence, over to you. Which what what, what? what you, what you man. think?
0: Man, <laughs> I'm gonna be real honest with you. This song right here, when it comes to like jams on this album, this one takes the cake to me. Um, I, I love this song from beginning to end and, and the rap uh with a kill in it. Man, he he, he the Teddy, Teddy, he was feeling, he was feeling it on this one, on with the production. Bob did his thing. Uh, man, this that that whole the whole track is serious. It, to me, that that that's the dopest song on the album.
1: Love it. Yeah, and again, like you know, I mean, we're we're we we're, we we're, we we're to present everything, but I mean, MCA really dropped the ball with this uh, album because. Shout out to my man again, my man, D- my man DJ Soulchild, my homie Denny Sutton over there in Switzerland. This album, the third album, gets so much love across the pond, overseas. I mean, when I was living in the UK, you know, when when I was in the Air Force and I was, you know, when I used to DJ, you know, I could play stuff from Bobby's third album, one we're reviewing right now, and get a you know a response like it was '92 all over there. But, you know, out here, man, back in the States, you know, not so much, you know, they, they still want to clown my man. But, yeah, like, I hope you guys are enjoying us, you know, taking it back. with Bobby's, you know, slept on, I'm gonna say it again, slept on third album. All right. So we're going to keep moving to one of the album tracks, one of my favorite Bobby slow cuts, and that's College Girl. to let uh had to let college girl play out a little bit man because that was one of them secret weapons back in high school <laughs> college A, one of my uh, slow jam staples man Woo, college girl man written by bobby and his man doa allen and uh, not really a song that should have been a single i mean because it's a fire album track and you know sadly i never got a chance to see bobby live during his like big eighty eight to ninety three run. But I wouldn't be surprised if this was a um a concert song, you know, where he had a maybe a contest for whoever was uh whatever city he was in, you know, when all the college girls, you know, college girl, you know, get on uh join Bobby on stage for a dance for quote unquote lap dance, if you will. It was the 90s. That's what they used to do back in the day, but F- Fire track, one of one of my favorite songs on the album, man. One of my favorite Bobby slow cuts. Over to you, what what you think?
0: I think that, uh, college girl, um, I think that it would have worked as a single, but, um, not, I don't think not so in 92, maybe like 87, 88, you know, but, um, other than that though, I liked it. And, um, you know, looking at Bob, Bobby's, uh, Bobby was uh really experimenting with his uh you know with the writing you know he was starting to get better at as opposed to letting other people uh write for him you know
1: yeah that's what I said like you know it, it it's a uh it's, it's a it's a fire album track and um it definitely is. one definitely one of the joints that again i don't i don't know if he did it or not, but my mind you know if I was on his A&R team or you know handling the tour. I definitely would have had a contest, you know, for every major city for a college girl to come up on stage. That's just you know what I would do. All right, keep it moving. Up next is Storm Away.
2: Down. Oh
1: you guys know that I often bring up my time in the military. I bring up, you know, my personal experiences. I don't um, hold anything back without going too personal. But yeah, Storm Away was a song that, you know, when I deal with my own anxiety issues and my own struggles, you know, my own mental health, it's one of those songs, you know, that I would always listen to when I was growing up. And I think whatever Bobby might've been going through himself, he's, you know, just talking about, you know, maybe this fame and where it's set. Maybe this industry, you know, isn't for me because it's not all it's cracked up to be. And, you know, I loved, love the Bobby Brown story. I thought it was a very well done miniseries, but my only gripe was they didn't have this song in the movie and I could, you know, you know, if you guys saw the Bobby Brown story, just that entire um, era when he's losing everybody, you know, his pops, his mom, you know, Whitney and then his daughter, like this song right here, would have easily fit perfectly into what he was going through. So, yeah, one of my favorite songs from Bobby, um, as far as you know, spiritually and just his honesty. But, yeah, over to you, uh, bro, what you think?
0: Yeah, I think that, um, I agree. Uh, Bobby was going through, uh, he was going through a lot, you know. Um, this song was, I, I think it was, uh, perfect for this album you know, even where it was placed, you know, um, I just, I, I love the track.
1: Yeah. And I mean, with, with the next track, um, which we'll, we'll get into, I'm I'm, I'm going to just play it because, well, yeah, because I don't want to ruin my thoughts on it. Right. So the closing song is Bobby hooked up with uh, Deborah Winans, I guess sister to BB and CC for a, a closing message song. And that's, I'm your friend.
2: Debbie, you know, I really treasure your friendship. And I really treasure yours, Bob. You know, good friendships are hard to find these days, in the 90s. Yes, they are. I'm glad I got a friend in you. Hey, and I'll be there. And did you know, Bobby, a friend sticks closer than a brother? Yeah, Debbie, and that's what I call a, a true friendship. Well, can we sing about this? Let's do it. Uh mm-hmm. do mm-hmm.
1: Out to uh, I'm sorry, shout out to BB Wines for that one that he wrote. All right, so I mean, I'm your friend, it comes off to me as filler, another filler song, and I respect the message, I get what he was going for, but that's the last song on the album, and I don't really think it packs the emotional wallop that Storm Away packs. And I, you could have ended the album with Storm Away, and I'm your friend, um, truthfully. I would have put this on a soundtrack, or maybe saved it for um, his the B Brown the B Brown posse album that dropped about a year or so later, and you know put Deborah Winans with Harold um, Travis. So you know music music diehard music fans, you guys know how vicious of a singer Harold Travis was. Shout out to Harold, but it, it just doesn't hit for me, you know, the way that a closing song should. I'm sorry. Terrence, over to you. What do you think, brother?
0: I feel like um, first of all, um, much respect to uh, Deborah Winans and you know, B.B. Winans, C.C., that whole family. Oh yeah, no doubt. they, They are awesome. And I really like this song, you know, just the message because, you know, friendship I believe it's hard to find but on this album just the general vibe of this album I think that song right there is filler and I think it kind of like throws everything off and I think this is a song that I think that most people will probably just skip you know um you know I've, I've even skipped it uh from time to time but sometimes I play it though you know Especially you know if I'm going through something with a friend, it, that song works. But like I said, the general vibe of this album, mm, this this song could have been on a soundtrack or or something, you know. But it just to me it just don't fit, and I think they knew that, which is why they threw it at the very end.
1: <laughs> what they should have done was they should have shopped this song to Disney and put this bad boy on the Aladdin soundtrack Aladdin soundtrack. That came out in 92, you know, that would have that been, That soundtrack a little... <laughs> was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm your friend, you know, so it goes right along with, uh, ain't a friend like me, but you know, you get Bobby, some love, and Bobby gets some residuals. Yeah, man. It's just, again, like, you know, I love the wine and him like you do. I love gospel music, Christian music. It's just, it doesn't really gel well with the, um, with the album and it just, it throws it out of, uh, out of whack. I mean, you know, I know that uh 13 is an unlucky number, but he easily could have just ended ended the joint with Storm away. Or like I said, I'm pretty sure there's some nice ballads in there. You know, there's some nice up-tempo joints that didn't make the final cut that he could have threw on there. But it seems like I'm your friend was a personal favorite to Whitney since she's cool with the wine and so you know, no no shade, but just you know, filler right. filler is what it uh ends up being. Alright, so yeah, um, Bobby released in 92. I really think that MCA dropped the ball with um, this album. And just in interviews with other MCA artists that I've interviewed, I think once um, Gerald Busby left and went over to Motown, MCA's Black Music Division took a huge hit. And yes, I've heard that from numerous people saying they just didn't know how to possibly guide um the label to where it should have been because this this was this was a fire album you know especially after don't be cruel now granted you know some people think it's better than don't be cruel I don't as a Clean Project but I mean it's definitely a very worthy follow-up and shout out to the late great Lowell Silas Jr. man who couldn't do it all and I think that Lowell man got probably outvoted on a, on a lot of stuff because there's no way that this album shouldn't only went double platinum after Bobby hit seven, you know, with the first one. And right. then was quality music, there was a lot of quality songs on this album. MCA just didn't know what to, how to promote it right, I guess. Because I don't even think the, uh, I mean, I don't even think the tour was worldwide. I think the tour was just only in the um, States. And you figure, what well, he spent close to three and a half years touring as part of a uh, don't be cruel so yeah man a huge missed opportunity and again I mean folks if you go back and listen to this album with adult ears and just ignore everything you may have heard about Bob you know from the tabloids you'll get a new spec for him it's the same sentiment for the album that followed this one um, Bobby Brown Forever and I can admit that I was guilty of giving Forever a bad rap because of everything that happened on the Home Again tour and just buying into what the media was saying about Bob being a prima donna being a diva you know kind of said you know man f Bobby you know when it was when I was like 15 16 during the forever days but you know when I hit my 20s I picked up forever again and actually listened to the album from start to finish like you know Bob's doing his doing his thing you know it's not as strong it's not as strong as his previous work but for him to kind of not work with Teddy he didn't work with face he didn't work with uh anybody hot and big at the time, Tim and Bob were, you know, slowly becoming, you know, known, but I mean, it was, it was Bobby and it was Tim and Bob on that, uh, uh, fourth album, the forever album. So shout out to Bob, man, you know, for years of quality music. Well, all right, folks, you know how we do. Um, Terrence, I need your top three songs and a final letter grade.
0: All right, here we go. Uh, top three songs. Okay, you already know what my number one is. <laughs> uh that's the way love is. Um uh have strong uh connection to that song. And you know, because one of the people that's on the album that's my homie, you know, that's rapping. Um uh second single, um, something in common, just because it's it's nippy. <laughs> uh third single. Uh, let's go with, um, uh, wait a minute. Hold on. Is my mic muted?
1: No, you good. I can hear you.
0: Okay. My third single, I will have to go with Loving You Down,
1: you know? All right, my top three are "College Girl," "Good Enough," okay. "Get Away," and I gotta throw in "Pretty Little Girl" just because my man uh, Ricky Bell is singing in anything and he does. Like you know, I'm rocking with. And my final letter grade is a solid B plus. Terrence, what's your final letter grade?
0: Uh, I'm gonna give this album. Uh, I'm gonna give it an A minus. <laughs> because i i i I, and and i think that's that's being not biased because i i I know the parties involved but i i i give it that i think that it would have been a perfect album except for like a couple of fillers that was up there i would have gave it a uh a straight across the board a plus but a minus solid
1: and that's all love bro and like as i was saying earlier in the you know in the podcast there's a lot of people a whole lot of people in the world that actually prefer prefer this album to don't be cruel just like you, you know, know with the production being better just the way he was singing um the consist. i mean as far as like um it's kind of like the argument could be with the um Off the Wall and the uh, Thriller for Mike, it's like, you know, I prefer Off the Wall primarily because of the production and just the soul and the way he was singing. And Thriller is like his magnum opus. But as far as like, you know, an album, Off the Wall is the better album. And I think for me, Don't Be Cruel is just, that's his, his Thriller. And I can see why people who are, especially folks that are deep into music, prefer the bobby album to don't be cruel from a production standpoint i mean you know, it sounds crisper it sounds clearer i mean teddy and la were, were at the top of their game, so they really took the time to perfect this album although as i alluded to earlier i do want to hear the uh mystical magical album that bobby has in his garage one day so bob man hook us up man it's cold man we need some uh that classic bobby sound
0: yeah I agree with you on that you know I know he got some stuff in the vault and I know Teddy uh, definitely got some stuff in the vault he got some of them on some of them um, uh, DAT tapes that he used to have he used to have like a whole stack of those in a studio label Um, uh, speaking on Michael to me Michael's best album was Off The Wall that's just to me personally I feel a strong connection to that album. When whenever I listen to Thriller, I can't I don't is it's, it's very rare that I listen to it like from beginning to end. I have listened to it from beginning to end, but off the wall, every time I listen to it, I just let that thing play
1: from yeah. the first song.
0: I put it on repeat and I just be jamming. Well, but uh
1: we already established like you know, we we skip uh, you know, in this world, you know, and 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 the Terrence Bowden and the reason done world we skip the girl is mine every single time yes <laughs> like, you know but off the wall though it's like you know we play girlfriend we play brothers to go out you know we play it's the falling in love <laughs> you know? right but uh the girl is mine it's no love
0: <laughs> yes and my favorite bobby album <laughs> if i had to grade all of his albums um uh bobby is my favorite Cool, cool Definitely, Bobby, and I and I like that re what, what remixes in the key of B. Yeah, remix in the key of B. Where he put I a few,
1: like, I like that. <laughs> yeah, and he put a, he put a few unreleased tracks on that one too that they didn't make the um, I think they, oh, they didn't make this album. There
0: was there was a remix album. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, I forgot about this album. There was a I had this I had the tape <laughs> back in the day. There was a remix album after uh my Don't Be Cruel album. Yeah, Dance You Know It. Dance, You Know It. What? Oh my God. That's my second favorite. Yeah. That thing, that thing was crazy. Yeah. That should have been that should have been a whole album. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, man. And, and folks, folks really don't um, I mean, you know, we know but I think a lot of people really don't know just how massive and just how big he was during his, during his prime. That's why, like, you know, yes. I, you know, I often tell folks and a lot of people get me the side eye when I say it's like, truth be told for me, don't be cruel is a better album than bad. Now, again, I'm not saying Bobby's better than Michael, but as a complete project for me personally, I think that yes. Don't Be Cruel is a better album than Bad. I mean, it's better produced. It's better. Um, if I low, agree with that. It flows better. And again, I agree with that. Just y'all, you know, this dude had the game on lock from 88 to 92. Wasn't nobody fucking with Bobby Brown. Nobody. Like He had the game on lock. That's the reason why, why do y'all think Michael Jackson called up Teddy to <laughs> do something dangerous? Because he saw what Teddy did. For Bobby so that's why they hooked up because I mean correct me if I'm wrong you, you know he worked with Teddy Teddy said he was just shocking and take, taking it back and flabbergasted but Mike called him it was like right you ain't working with Quincy on you know on the uh on the new project and it was like no I'm working with you Teddy <laughs> <laughs> alright folks I want to thank Terrence for uh dropping by man to chop it up as always you know love to chop it up with somebody in the industry um, my brother, tell the folks out there where they can procure some of your musical talents and where they can follow you on social media.
0: Uh, yes, you can uh, follow me um, on um, Facebook. Uh, I'm on Instagram, on Twitter. On um, Twitter is uh, Big Format, at Big Format, B-I-G, number four, M-A-T. Um, on Instagram, um, Big Format. 71. And um, I do have uh, a new single uh, popping off in 2021. I'm kind of happy about that. I got a special guest vocalist uh, (laughs) on that song. Um, I have written for the group as uh, Don already mentioned, I've written for the group uh, Jeanne. Um, actually the first single that was released, um, it's called request line album came out in 97, um, wintertime 97. Um, there was a remix done and the remix, uh, featured, uh, Queen Latifah. But, um, like I said, back in the nineties, the nineties was like a a shuffle game. Everything was shuffling back and forth. this executive was moving from, from this, this company to this company. They were they were firing ARs right and left. It, it just seemed like nobody could get it right. And MCA wasn't was part of that, you know? And that's why Bobby was trying to get off of MCA at one point. And a lot of artists was trying to get it off of MCA, Jive, and and Motown because they wasn't treating people right. They didn't, Motown didn't even treat me right. They didn't even recognize me at first, you know? I I still haven't got paid from that project, but it's all good though. Even though they did give me credit, they they didn't pay me though. But, you know, uh, I'm not salty about that. You know, I moved on. I'm in a, I'm in a happy place right now in in my life.
1: I feel you and many stories. And like I said, if you guys want to hear more um, stories of how the industry really is, man, check my podcast out, man, because a lot of these artists, they don't hold back and they give it to you straight no chaser. And the music industry, you know, we all love it, but it ain't it ain't all that it's cracked up to be. And on that note, I'm gonna leave you guys with a quote like I always do. And you know, we're gonna go to the book of Bobby Brown. I feel the simplicity of life is just being yourself. Until the next time, done out. Deuce, when did I start podcasting? Anywho, today's episode of Reviews and Done is sponsored by The Pog Collection and Herbalism. Check them out on the gram.